1: Is your cricket kit looking a bit rubbish? Well, Prophecy Cricket can help. Prophecy Cricket offer the very best cricket equipment, including the finest handcrafted English willow cricket bats and top-notch gloves, pads, bags and keeping gear. Listeners of this podcast can now get 20% off all cricketing equipment at prophecycricket.com. Use the code MIDDLEPLEASE at the checkout to get 20% off the entire range. Look
2: good, feel great, play better with Prophecy Cricket. Visit
1: prophecycricket.com today. is back and in full swing william hill is the place to be for cricket punters this year with a suite of offers across all formats of the game domestically and internationally check out all william hills in play offers along with all the latest odds and promotions at williamhill.com or on the free app 18 plus please gamble responsibly Hello and welcome to Middle Please, Umpire. I am Miles Jupp and I am joined as ever by cineast and love coach Mark Wood. (laughs) 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 Uh, Mark, what have you been up to? You've been playing a bit for... (laughs) (laughs) So, um... (laughs) Um, have you found time to relax this week, Mark? We're not turning out for Ashington. Yes. um,
2: Well, actually, it's been a big week for me. I've... um bit of a disclosure but i've been doing a couple of media things myself Monday or tuesday with with potentially big things coming out so i spent two days
1: are you the new face of kfc it's finger looking good but no that wasn't me mas uh, uh no. subway subway sandwiches i just want to guess you've got a media job oh is it um are you you know um the adverts for erectile dysfunction that they have <laughs> in service service station toilets <laughs>
2: Unfortunately, not no males. I mean, that would be
1: every man's dream, wouldn't it? That would be a fantastic gig. That would be a fantastic gig. <laughs> no, yeah. um, we're doing. What's... Hello, we've got an audition for you today. Can you balance a hat on your erect penis? <laughs> yes, you can. Excellent, excellent. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll... look. It's not definite, but I'm going to put your name in the mix, love. We'll see how it goes. Fingers crossed. If you can't, they may have you as the third chap in the photo. All right. Uh, no, sorry. <laughs> well, that's, so that's, that's not it, but that's something to look forward to. Now, what have you been doing? Yeah, uh, well,
2: potentially that's something to do with maybe the World Cup, maybe a documentary around that. Um, so I was one of the first sort of ones to talk about that. So um, hopefully all that goes ahead. But um, I did a couple of days filming that. So that was really good. And then I had. Uh, were there, are there slow
1: motion shots of you strutting about?
2: Uh, no, but there is a drone shot of and Creek Club of me running in the ball, to which we asked one of the young lads who played for Durham Academy last year, uh, Jack McCarthy, and um, Jack was batting. And we had to do a, a take again because when I bowled the ball, Jack shouted, Oh, that was in the slot. And we were like, Jack, <laughs> just leave the ball. I will bowl it wide. You just leave it. I had to remind him this of about six or seven times, which every time he was like, can I just smack one? And then about the fourth <laughs> ball in, he decided that, although I'm just bowling half run and deliberately wide, so it just looks good that he can leave it through the wicket. that he would smack it through the offside. And he smacked it through the offside. So on, hopefully not in the documentary. This clip isn't me running in,
1: talking about me bowling in the World Cup to... Some young kid at Ashington me through the offside. <laughs> spanking you through the covers. I did this travelogue with my mate Ellis James a while ago, and one of the things we did was go to Swansea, and they attempted, they just, you know, they had quite a tight filming schedule, so we got to the ground and he goes, right, so what I want you to do is, you know, this is where Gary Sobers hit six sixes, so we're going to recreate that. And I said, oh, how are you going to do that? He goes, well, someone's going to come and bowl you in over, and you need to hit them all for six. And I said, do you know much about cricket? <laughs> no, no. I was like, right, anyway, this <laughs> his girl was bowling and she bowled about, about three overs. I reckon I connected with, with sort of two of them. And when I watched the bit back in the edit, they had, they used the shots as from as far away as possible and I think added the sound of leather on with it <laughs> at a LA later date. It was absolutely impossible.
2: Also, cricket terminology, got my bowling loads up this week as I returned to cricket. So that means you bowled a lot of overs? Or it means you're building up your pace? A bit of both. So I had a structured amount of overs. So you bowl, I bowl like five or six overs on the Wednesday, two spells of three or four overs on the Friday. Then I played club cricket where I bowl three overs in the morning and then four in the afternoon in club cricket. So it's basically about trying not to go from nothing to all in and then getting injured. You sort of build it up.
1: The the way I look at it, you don't sit down and order a mixed grill, do you? You have a prawn cocktail. (laughs) And then... (laughs) And then, and then, and then you have a mixed grill. It's, it's just sent, you've got to ease yourself into it. You've got to ease yourself into it. Absolutely, very wise. Uh, so you uh, you batted as well in this club game, Freshden.
2: I did. Unfortunately, I got four runs and that was it. Um, I chopped on with my favourite cut shot. It's probably the only shot that I I actually have confidence in playing. And um, funny enough, we played against Collie's team, Shotley Bridge, and Collie played in the match and all week I've been doing drills with Colley. come up to the ground um as the England batting assistant coach and um he would throw me balls and he's changed my technique a little bit and I'm thinking, oh this new technique feels great. I'm not hitting as many on the inside edge. And uh, to be specific for everyone listening, if if you're interested, um I was gripping the bat too tight with my bottom hand. So colleagues asked me to to grip it with my two fingers and my thumb. So it's a bit of a lighter grip. I get to the club game. I only get four runs. And as I'm walking off, he's sort of smiling. I thought, he's done me, yeah. He's deliberately changed my technique for the game so that he knew I wouldn't get any <laughs> runs. All of that work he did with me just for that. I mean, he's a spiteful man. I couldn't believe it. I'm, I'm still not speaking to him,
1: actually. And that's what he's done. He's just sold you down the river. Mm. Well, it sounds worky. You've already scored four runs with your new technique. That's You're just, you're just building up your run loads. Yeah, well, I... <laughs> Very good. You hit, don't want to go out uh, and score more than four in your first innings when you're not batting for a while,
2: Mark. Mm. Well I didn't I didn't do very well, Miles, but I I did I did thoroughly enjoy the game. Like it was it was so good we like just be there and um I think their lads enjoyed it and stuff and um so I hope hopefully it was a good
1: have you got a? have you got a fourth, Sir Ashington?
2: No, we've we've got a third team, so we've got a first team, second team i play on a Saturday, and the third team i play
1: on a Sunday. All right, I just, I don't know what... I, would, I wouldn't... It'd be fun if you, we could uh, match up against Monmouth fourths, but I don't know. You could play our thirds, I guess.
2: Well, we'd we'll have to wait a couple of weeks because after my performance in the first team, I'm now bound to be dropped action in the second team. <laughs> so you would have to wait another week until I'm dropped to the third team and then we might be able to have a game against each other. But my batting and bowling loads
1: will be up by then, so... Yeah, so it would be a chance for you to sort of work on your keeping. Yeah. <laughs> now that you've nailed fine leg. Yeah. <laughs> Miles. How's your week been? My week um, has been—it's um, been absolutely, absolutely fine, um, to be honest. I had to leave Wales. I went to London for a all went all the way to London for a costume fitting um, about two months ago. I had to go to London for a costume fitting and a haircut. It was just for a costume fitting, so I travelled to London, went to this sort of costume place in South London, tried on five suits, none of them fitted, and they said, "Oh well, we'll make you one." and measured me, and then I went all the way home again, feeling that I have a sort of slightly ridiculous job, because I'm going I'm going tomorrow to film this um, very nice drama series, actually, about the uh, Duke and Duchess of Argyle, um, their divorce. So uh, I'm going to be playing a Welsh doctor, Mark.
2: So when you when you play for moments, do you ring sort of new balance and say, look, I need a fitting, um, I've got a big game at the weekend, and... Um, I'm old school, so I don't want the the short sleeve or the long sleeve. I want the three quarter sleeve because I'm old school.
1: I want one of those jumpers that if it gets slightly wet, it it needs two or three men to drag it. That's what I want. I want something. I want it to be like I need the people that move my piano to help me get dressed. That's that's, that's what I need. I um, no, well, I've got I've got to go and do more. I've actually booked my face to face my face to face training for. Um, all stars, so coaching. I just mm. got sent the schedule for the match, uh, matches for the fourths this summer. So it's all mm. it's just about building up my bowling load and um and my other loads, really. Which is <laughs> not up my loads. Um So you'd say you're in a loading phase. I'm very much in uh yes. In yeah, my life is a kind of it's a sort of um a loading bay, essentially. Um, that's what I have.
2: Anyone anyway, else? What I've, I've been doing something else, Miles, that you'll that you'll love because soon as we're, we we sing music on this show now.
1: Yes, that's right. Yeah. What What have you um, brought along for us this week, Mark? <laughs> I went to an outdoor cinema
2: yesterday with my wife, and mm-hmm. um, we went to one of them where you pull up in the car and you have this. Cinema that's sort screen. of nineteen
1: fifties America.
2: Yeah, and um,
1: we we watched Greece. That has a scene. That has a scene at a driving in, doesn't it, Greece? It does, is. not a bit? Oh, and was it a sort of sing along? I suppose you're well, in your car; you can do what the
2: hell you like. I'll be, I'll be honest with you; I, I didn't know any of the songs apart from the main one at the start and the main one at the end, to which my wife was disgusted. Um, but I'm more of a, an action hero kind of film guy. But that was it was like, it was good fun and that, and I enjoyed it. But um, unfortunately, when she was doing all the actions in the car, when I said, "Look, can you stop?" Doing the actions, people are going to think something else is going on here. The car's rocking all over, and then she says, "What? Everybody's doing it?" And I look across the cars. So I said, "Sarah, nobody is dancing." To and she knew all the moves and all the words. I was like, "Sarah,
1: nobody else is is doing this. Just you." <laughs> Oh That's incredible. Otherwise, yes, I suppose if everyone's moving it, then a sort of drone flying over would think they'd sort of hit upon a, you know, a dogging hotspot or or what have you. Yeah, we didn't quite flash the lights. We kept the lights firmly off.
2: It was a nice experience to make different. Obviously in lockdown, we haven't been to cinemas or anything like that. And that was something that, you know, me and Liam Plunkett or me and Chris Walks or Stokes, he actually, is a big cinema fan. He also gets popcorn and sweets and chocolate all together. So when he goes, he goes full home. Does he do
1: that thing when you get a bag of Revels and then you pour them into the popcorn?
2: Yeah, Revels are his favourite sweets as well.
1: He and I are so alike. He uh, He probably works it all off a little better than I do. Okay, uh, so it's time to have a, a, a look at our mailbag. Um, we've had a variety of questions we've been asking recently, uh, one of which that people seem to have got on board with um, for reasons beyond my understanding uh, is uh, sightings of uh, professional cricketers at uh, petrol stations. Uh, so, shall we, well, let's have a look at these, Mark. Um, Casey Windsor saw Shane Warne at the Co op petrol station just outside Sirencester. Uh, from Chris Pito, Enjoying the podcast, particularly the constant references to my all-time England hero, Michael Atherton. On the subject of cricketers at service stations, I thought I must share the time I saw the entire Australian cricket team in Burger King at Leicester Forest East in 2009. I know Woody referenced this as a good place to spot cricketers last week. I can confirm it is. I was with my then one-year-old son and was carrying our tray of food when he made a run for it, and I was unable to grab him to guide him to a table. Who should step in but Ricky Ponting to assist, thus destroying every myth I'd built up around the man, and help me get the food and child to a table. As we sat down, as, as we sat down to eat, Brett Lee was enjoying his burger at an adjoining table, and we all exchanged brief pleasantries. It's very rare for me to ever see anyone famous, but this came just a day after being in a child's playground with Gordon Ramsay and pushing the swing our children were sharing whilst he sorted his dog out. Certain <laughs> brackets, not a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> to to cap it all off, we then saw Howard from that year's series of The Apprentice in the car park. <laughs> A truly unforgettable weekend. That is an extraordinary, extraordinary number of things coming together at once. The stars were clearly aligned uh, for our friend Chris Peto that weekend. Um, Ian Hornwell, I once saw Darren Goff in the Esso garage in Stafford. I panicked and, while standing in the queue together, just blurted out, What's the cricket score? When I got outside, I realised what a ridiculous question I'd was, so I waited to explain my nerves. We ended up having a good chat. I think what we can learn from that is you've not just got one bite of the cherry, have another go. We, might go. we might go wrong the first time, you might garble it, come back for more. Um, so, um, we also asked best and worst of watching England, or indeed any cricket game. Uh, Gary S says, hi Mark and Miles, or MM, as I like to think of you. That's excellent. Uh, Thanks for helping us, Joe Soaps, get through these trying times. I was with two mates watching England in Ireland at Stormont, which is a really cracking ground. I was returning from the bar and began walking up the stairs and past the visiting ranks of the Barmy Army. Just then, a beautiful young lady walks past with a somewhat less beautiful young man. To say he was punching above his weight was an understatement. Think Mike Tyson versus Barry McGuigan. So the geniuses of the Barmy Army, as if rehearsed, immediately broke into song, hilariously chanting, Is she really going out with him? I joined in, the girl laughs, the lad cringes as they walk away, and everyone's looking over as the song finishes and silence returns. At that point, my foot got stuck in the metal... St- LAUGHTER At that point, my foot got stuck in the metal step. I stumbled over in front of the gate of the stand and poured three pints of warm beer all over myself as my friends sat there crying with laughter. The highs and lows of watching international cricket right there. Uh, Excellent. Thank you for that. Um, Chris Appleby says, love the podcast. Please keep it up. A great memory was obviously being at Trent Bridge to see the Mark Wood get the winning wicket of the 2015 Ashes Series. A less pleasant England match memory would be at Old Trafford, day four of the third test in 2013. Bad light famously stopped play, but to keep busy I had a go on the bowling machine on the other side of the stands. Keen to show my twenty miles an hour swing that often becomes full toss, I took off my flip-flops to get more grip. Unfortunately, someone stole my flip-flops and I had to spend the remaining day and evening barefoot. At the time, with a few beers on board, it didn't seem a huge problem. However, the next week at work was a nightmare as I could hardly walk. Here's a picture of me <laughs> with some makeshift shoes. And that really... <laughs> it looks not dissimilar for Withnall going out to try and pick potatoes. He's uh, got... <laughs> poor chap. Uh, plastic bags with... Uh, taped up there. Oh, well, you took one for the team there, Chris. Um... It- always still worth getting the opportunity to practice your bowling on a proper machine like that. Uh, thank you very much indeed for writing in. Uh, Mark, have you, have you spotted any cricketers at a petrol station ever? Uh, not
2: spotted, but I've been a part of a, a, a story like this. Um, um, back in my sort of Durham, early Durham days, I I remember at the end of one season, as I always do, I'd give some of the kit away to, you know, Asherton Cricketers and, Cricket as, and um, a few of my friends and one of my friends who was actually a Royal Marine at the time, um, I'd give him a couple of tops and he had passed on a shirt and some pants on to one of his friends who was who was going to travel back down, I think, um, to the Marines. Only for him to be sat at the Weatherby Services Outlet or station and you know getting a Burger King or whatever, and in pulls a team bus, and off the team bus comes the full Durham cricket team, and he is sat in full Durham cricket kit to which the lads apparently were looking at him saying who's this guy and he says apparently he just got up and said alright lads good to see you again and just legged it out the services so he, he tried to pretend that he that he'd come across the Durham lads he was a member of the squad who was just there uh, knew them all but um actually in full Durham kit it didn't quite work
1: very nice um do please keep uh, sending in your lovely uh, letters and emails. Uh, other questions that are sort of live at the moment, open categories, uh, incredible matches, uh, best and worst moments spectating, uh, and indeed any stories pertaining to away games, either as players uh, or as spectators. Have you had any disastrous outings? Keep it light for heaven's sake. The email address is as ever middleplease at hotmail.com. Uh, we're on the, the social media things um instagram twitter and facebook so that's um you know somebody checks those um now mark it's uh it's time for a guest perhaps uh, perhaps you'd like to guess who it is oh, well
2: you know i never get it first time give me a clue
1: okay um he uh, he isn't the one that used to play for hampshire
2: wait a minute there's two is it the one with the palm tree and beach background on his zoom or the guy that has the um, playing background
1: it's uh it's it's the palm palm tree fan uh, fellow oh it's jimmy adams i'd just like to take a moment to thank our founding sponsors cricketers gin cricketers gin is the perfect podcast partner as this corker of a gin began its innings at the local village cricket club in pinkneys green berkshire over a G&T, the founders decided that this quintessential British game, along with the wild botanicals growing in abundance, deserved a bespoke gin of its own. Cricketers features milk thistle, wild marjoram and blackberries, amongst other botanicals, delivering a smooth juniper-forward gin. If pink is your preference, they also have a delicious raspberry-distilled pink gin. Please take a look at their website, cricketersgin.com, where you'll find a range of gin hampers too. Apply the code CRICKET and you'll receive a discount off your purchases. Cricketers, a small batch gin and a family-owned business. William Hill's safer gambling tools help you stay in control. You can set deposit limits, session reminders, and take timeouts whenever you need them. 18 plus, please gamble responsibly. William Hill, it's who you play with.
0: taken. What a
1: magnificent catch by Jimmy Adams. Remarkable. Well, welcome to Middle Please, Umpire, none other uh, than Mr. Jimmy Adams. How are you, Jimmy? I'm fine yourself. I'm slightly sunburnt, but otherwise I'm, I'm coping pretty well. Mark, of course, Mark was playing cricket yesterday at a very high standard, so he's probably... A bit more tired than we are. So, I'm sore, Miles. <laughs> you look it, mate. You look You look livid. Mm, bags under my eyes. I mean, I've never been off the ice machine. A tough, tough day. Tough, tough day. You look like a man that's been spanked over third man by a baggage handler with uh, jet lag. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, not this time. Not this time. This guy is, I wouldn't care. I knew the guy that was up in the baton
1: just to a friend.
2: And um, what old uh, Durham scorer was saying, oh, he's shitting himself uh, the night before. He texted me, said, please don't bull fast them. Don't do this. Don't do that. He's only got out and scored 100, hasn't he? I've been totally <laughs> done here. All these who guys. So said, oh, who, are
0: who are you playing against? We played
2: against Collie's club, Shotley Bridge. So Collie played in the game. Uh, Collie played. So I was waiting to, for Collie to come in and then I could have maybe bowled with a, a bit more zest. But um, we couldn't get them out. He's, this guy, he just, it was like he was bowling at a barn door. He uh, he got 100 and um, yeah, he played very well. So still smarting.
1: Still smarting from the loss, <laughs> Miles. And have you, Jimmy? Have you played a lot of club cricket in uh, in the UK? Then, yeah, man, I played. I played quite a few years in in Woody's part of the
0: world as well. I was, yeah, I did. I was in I was in I was in Durham for for quite a while. I played against Ashington a few times back in the day before he was born, Mine. Just so that people don't think <laughs> that. We're, we're actually equal. We're not equals here. I'm like two <laughs> generations in front of Woody.
2: Can you not hear the Geordie twang in Jimmy's voice, Miles? Oh, oh yes. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Still got the twang.
1: Oh, it's like like he's never been away.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so I had a good time playing, playing a bit of club cricket up there between late 80s and late 90s, so almost 10 years in the region. So it was fun, good fun, good people. I actually play, I played I play, I play, I play against college uncles and brothers and you know, all the older people than Kali. Kali was still being pushed in a prom when, when when I was playing against Charlotte Bridge. Mm,
2: yeah, I think you, uh, funny enough, Jimmy, I think you played against my dad. My dad opened the baton for I shouldn't ah, baton. see. But he would have played with He would have played with Kali
0: Solomon. Kali Solomon,
2: yeah, he's a, he's a bit of a legend.
0: Ashke, yeah, the, the, yeah, from Australia. Yeah, see? So we've got a little bit in common here, Miles. Just, yeah, catching up. You know how
1: it is. <laughs> 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 so you went from that then because you broke into the west indies into the test side in what early 90s yeah 92 but i've been playing in the noughties since late 80s since about oh, 89, 89 and you because you effectively once viv richards retired that became your spot in a way didn't it that was your that was your way into the t- is that fair have i been reading the wrong websites is that a complete lie you're definitely reading the wrong websites. Um, anyway, they, they, in '91,
0: after the England series in '91, Viv few of them stepped down. Viv, Doge, Garden, Greenwich. I think it wasn't it for me. It was a seamless transition. I, I played a test, a couple of tests in '92, but my first nine tests were only played when Carl Hook was injured. Put it that way. So there was still a sort of pecking order that you had to overcome and all the rest of it. So, but um, I got into the squad on the back of few of those lads um, standing down. But to actually get into an 11 in those years was pretty tough. So yeah, you had to keep going runs. And... Jimmy, is it true that um, Carl Hooper never wore a thigh pad? Uh, he didn't like wearing it, but there were times when he did. But, but as, a, as a general rule, I mean, many people remember him in county cricket, not using one unless, I think, there was an odd game, I think uh story has it, Alan Donald might have forced him to do it and stuff like that. A couple of lads in
1: the Caribbean, but generally speaking, he didn't like doing it. What was it like joining that dressing room then? Even if it's hard to get in get into the final eleven to suddenly be in that, you know, because that's that's not any old dressing room you're joining there, is it? What what was that like to suddenly find yourself in? Well
0: it was it was it was it was, it was like a dream come true, Miles, to be honest. Not just joining the dressing room, it's the whole the whole the whole shebang, you know. Um To wear a maroon cap for the first time, you know, and the journey that I went on was a little bit different because I would played like eight years of first class cricket before getting into the squad. So it, it really meant a lot to me. And then to be, to be considered, I wouldn't say equal, but to be on, on, to be in the same team with people who had grown up looking on as legends, Ambrose, Walsh, Desmond Haynes, Richie Richardson, um, Gus Logie, Phil Simmons, all of that lot. To, to finally be rubbing shoulders with them, you know, it was sort of like, yeah, I I did take like five seconds and give it the whole wow moment kind of thing, but <laughs> yeah. settled down very quickly and got to work, with it that way.
1: Because <laughs> we, we were talking um, with Danny Wyatt last week about that thing of joining a side and not knowing... Not necessarily feeling, although you can't show it, feeling that you're part of it. What, what, was, what was it for you that made you think, I'm here now and everyone knows that I'm meant to be here?
0: Well, I, I dominated regional cricket properly leading into that, that, the, the first test series. So there's no asking questions on whether I should be there. I kicked the door down in terms of the runs that I scored. I averaged nearly 100 in first-class cricket uh, that season. So I, I didn't second-guess whether I ought to have been in the squad I think, to be fair though, um, getting in a performance in the first test did sort of settle that question of do I belong, which is a slightly different question, and, and I got that out of the way pretty early. So thankfully, performances in regional cricket and then a, a decent first test sort of settled that
1: internal, you know, conundrum for me. Because then I guess you're, you're sort of up and away, aren't you? It's a you know, to announce yourself that way. But also, that, I mean, even once you're well into that team, you're still... Is there a... You know, say if you're sharing you're in the middle order with, with Lara or whatever, does that add pressure or does that take away pressure?
2: There was no pressure on you when you had to face Walsh and Ambrose in the nets. Let me tell you that. That
0: was, that was as much pressure as you can have, surely that. Bah, I'd hate to face
1: well, them too
0: I, I I'll go one further. To face Bishop in the nets was was, was horrendous, he, he Because... Walter Ambrose by then were cruising when they came to Nets. Bishop didn't know how to cruise me. He was 90 miles or nothing. <laughs> I will say, Miles, that um, playing with them, once 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 you sort of gotten over the initial, you know, as you said, do I belong and do I deserve to be here? And, and, and to be fair, they sort of emphasized it as well. So when you actually took the field with them, you appreciated that you were playing with some of the best in the world, but you did appreciate also that they had made it quite clear to you that you deserve to be here and and you, you kind of saw yourself on, on equal footing there were they were great players, don't get me wrong, but you didn't feel like a second class
1: citizen playing with them, or I didn't put it that way during that period and that that sort of team then i suppose did as I remember it, so I got into cricket say so nine ninety one so I just have this vision of you as a man that was sort of I suppose in a way there was something like Shibnari and Chandapal about you. There just seemed to be this really long period where you just, you were just sort of never out. You would just, it seemed to be, to see Jimmy Adams dismissed seemed to be just this very rare sort of Halley's Comet of of an event. Uh, And that you would just, you just batted and batted and batted and effectively until you were sort of right up at the top of the rankings. How much was that instinctive or how much of it was learnt? Because you'd played so much first class cricket before you broke into the test side. Did you just already have a way that you definitely batted and didn't need to adapt it?
0: Yeah, that was that was that was my approach. Um, I, I started out as a teenager, your typical Caribbean sort of slam dash, you know, looking to play all the shots in the book. Um, but I guess over time, um, I found a method that worked for me and worked pretty well. And in the end, it it, it worked out well even from a team balance point of view. Um, I, I I'm I take the compliment though I, I do think I'm the poor man's version of Shivran Chandrapaul so I appreciate the fact that you want to come here to he's he's sort of like the ultimate sheet anchor in there but was he to be honest he's a great player did did you play with him at Durham, Mark, or was he before your time no no I bowled at him in the
2: so I was like academy days I bowled at him I remember him always telling me so I was like trying to bowl quickly he was like no nah, don't forget to swing the ball swing the ball back and then I was like thought oh like yeah he's right like this is how I'll try and get him out. Next thing I know, is he's got the ball machine set up at eighty-five mile an hour In swing, no pads, and he's just. I was like, "Well, I've got no chance here." This guy <laughs> knocks it at eighty-five with no pads. What chance have I got?
0: Unbelievable! <laughs> Unbelievable! Yeah, I, I thought. I thought I I was focused until I I ended up rooming with Shiv. We roomed together at international level for about six seven years, and um, I thought I was focused, mate. But I was definitely the younger brother when it came to. to Thinking that I was switched on, he, he was—he's was on a different level. But um, great player. But yeah, it—it it, it, my approach by then was 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 kind of set miles to be honest, and um, it worked for me and it, it worked for the team. We, we had quite a few um attacking players who liked to have strike,
1: and I was always willing to give it up and and sort of watch from the other end. So it, it, it worked itself out. And who who were the people that opposition wise in the nineties either internationally? or say if you're playing in, against English counties or the Welsh county, uh, who who are the people that you really admired? You're talking about bowlers no specifically? Yeah. Uh, well, Wazim stands out. He's, he's sort
0: of like the best that I've ever played against. Um, and anybody who could bowl at his speed and swing the ball both ways meant that the surface... It, people like Wazim, and to a certain degree, I guess Malcolm Marshall who would have been a little bit before, but I played against Malcolm as well. They make the surface irrelevant. And there's some bowlers you can say, well, if, if, you know, I, I, I said to like, you know, Woody here, 90 miles an hour, but, you know, if you catch him on a flat Glamorgan track, you might say, listen, I fancy my chances. Whereas, yeah. <laughs> no, it's a surface thing. You know what I mean? If you get a green top at Durham, yeah. you know, it's going to kill you. You know what I mean? So that's fine. we even. He catches me at home and I hold him at Sabina Park on my pitch and we even. But, The the, the guys who swing it both ways at pace sort of render the surface irrelevant. And Wasim was was the epitome. He was the ultimate. Left arm, whippy action, swing it both ways. So you could be playing on a sandpit. He could. He had the skill to get you out, which for me would elevate him above. The bowlers who are skillful, but... You know, there are times when your Ambrose's and your Walsh's and, you, and your Glenn McGrath's and them, the the a line of length and they wait on you to make a mistake because the pitch is just a feather bed. Whereas Malcolm and, and Wasim were on a level where they could still attack you. It, the, the fields they set might not look like attacking fields, but skills-wise, they're attacking you every ball. They're not sitting and waiting kind of thing. So I'd have to say Wasim and, and probably the, the two great spinners, um, Shane and run. Um would have been pretty hard work. Um so those three probably
2: stand out. Jimmy, do you think do you think actions come comes into it? So I'm just reading what you said about Wasim there. So I've heard certain lads say that although it's mega fast, so they're facing Brett Lee, but actually his action was lovely to pick up. Whereas when you're seeing someone like um Wazim there, where he's scuttling through, does that add an extra couple of miles an hour? Does it make it feel different? I know obviously the skill level's high, but like visually for a batsman, it
0: does. It does because I'd I'd, I'd say um, Patrick Patterson, who was probably fastest bowler in the world, run about ninety six to, to to sorry eighty six, double eighty eight. But because he was very rhythmical, you know, and he, he got in, then that that front foot came right up. And you, as a batsman, you could get your timing inside his timing fairly easily, which is what we do with the very rhythmic bowlers, the Brett Lees and and. Arm um, I guess, to a certain degree, whereas the marshals and the Waseems, because they're very whippy. If if your time, if the timing of you, if you trigger, if you have a trigger, uh, and, and and you get that trigger slightly wrong, you're dead. You're not not dead as in physically, but you you could be out because you, you you really need every half second that you you have. So yes, the action does does.
1: Add a little bit to, to how difficult difficult were, Mark, to be fair. But when you were facing Warn, I mean, you've got a good record against spin. Did you feel did was being a left hander was that any advantage, or or once you've got a player of that quality, it makes no, it's not taking anything out. No, it was it was hard work as time went on because the pitches that we
0: used to get at international level really got worn. So he had the rough the ball into toss left handers a so hard work. So it, I felt as a left hander. If I scored 10 runs against Shane Wan, it was worse. It, that was like a, a right-hander scoring 30 or 40 because they didn't have any... Although he balls, some of them out of the rough, you know, but but I, I found it very difficult as a left-hander. And I, I didn't hear any right-handers who found it any less difficult. So I just put down, the man's a great bowler. So when, again, people like Shane Wan, the surface is irrelevant.
1: If you put him on a glass top, he's going to spin it and get people out. What as a, as a batter then, were there people that you... Obviously, you've got, you know, you're part of it Incredible mid-order for the West Indies, but around the world were there were there bats batters that you sort of admired and thought you know you might be standing at Gully thinking I wish I could do that.
0: Yeah, man, there were there were there were three in my era. That I mean, one I played with. Uh, we're not talking about like aesthetically pleasing to the eyes. So Carl Hooper, Mark Waugh, and uh, Azaruddin from India. You know, so, I'd occasionally play against Carl when he was playing for Guyana, and then obviously the others were international players. And, and like you say, you, you want to get them out early, but if you have to endure a team or the individual scoring runs, let it be them, because at least you enjoy watching what they're doing. I mean, these guys, I have an analogy that watching them back is. Like when you're pouring oil out of a tin, it's just the smoothest experience that you'll ever experience. It it just, (laughs) I'm telling you, it's it's just like honey out of a jar. It just flows. You know what (laughs) I mean? They're very, very, I mean, I remember Azarudin getting a a big score against England on some tour, might have been 89 or something like that, scored a big 100. And it was just, Unbelievable the way he would just risk it through from off stump through mid-wicket. but not not heaving it like Viv but just very silky. And and then I got the chance to play against him uh in India on a few occasions. And he scored runs against West Indies every now and again, and beautiful to watch. Mark was the same thing, just very silky, smooth, you know, pick you from middle stump and just clip you through wide mid on. And it didn't look at these guys didn't look as if they were breaking sweat. They were working hard, I'm sure, but they didn't look it. I mean, Lara, Lara is the best button I've played with, but Lara looked as if he was working. Like, Hooper didn't look as if he was working. Hooper just looked as if he was just pushing the pram in the in the park. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, Yeah. I suppose that kind of... Well, g- Gower-esque, I suppose, is the adjective people use to describe... Correct, correct, yeah. correct. correct. As an Englishman, I can understand that analogy. That's all I... Yeah, yeah that's all I... <laughs> And what about the move to coaching? Then, were you someone whose approach to to the game lent itself to becoming a coach? I don't think it's so much the approach to the game. I think my
0: personality. I, I tend to. I have a mentor's personality, so whether I'm coaching cricket or just uh, relationships with with people over the years, I've I've always been drawn towards helping. I'd say young people or younger people. So I came to England as a, as a young man myself, and I ended up part of the whole deal was to coach. I don't know one night a week, and then Sunday morning with the juniors at at at, at Appleton, and I found that I enjoyed it. First of all, um, it fit in with my personality because. Uh, the, some people might have preferred it, but I didn't want to stay in the house and watch TV on a Sunday morning in England. There's nothing
1: to watch unless you're watching Songs of Praise, right? So you might as well go out and do some coaching. I think but, you're but getting but up quite it... late if you think Songs of Praise is on in the morning. Yeah. So <laughs> <Yes. laughs> there you go, exactly. But I, I, I realised pretty early that,
0: that I enjoyed it. So I kept doing it. As time went on, I found that you know, it it was something that I enjoyed doing. However, when I left the game, when I retired, I I, I kept all my irons in the in the fire. So I, I was doing a bit of coaching, I was doing a bit of media work with Sky at the time and a few other broadcasters and um doubling a few other things, non-cricket. And it was interesting because I found myself quite often sitting in studio watching a game and getting frustrated because I, I kept asking myself, why is this young man making this decision? Why, why has he decided to, whether it be a bad shot or a bowler who was just not pulling a line or, or whatever. I quite enjoyed the media thing, but it it, it it probably wasn't the call that I needed in my life at, at this point in time. And yeah, so hence, I, I sort of shifted across from media to to... Full time working in the game, full time from a, a coaching and, and development point.
1: And taking over a, an English county, did you? I mean, did you know what you were getting into? <laughs> I mean, in terms of the, I suppose it would be slightly different now, but the kind of the, the the sort of relentlessness of it. I mean, you must have been aware of it. But did you? Did you think what is going on here? I, I knew. I knew what to expect in terms of the, the scheduling.
0: Um, I, I played a year county myself and. With T20 cricket, you knew that what I experienced was even worse because they now had a new format to add to, to what they had before. The dynamics of county cricket, the dynamics of having 20 professionals that you're trying to keep happy plus a few fringe players, um, you know. And all that went with managing not just your 20 players but all your backroom staff as well was, was, was a, a, a real... It was a positive experience, but it was a new experience. Um, you know, there's a whole different mindset between your players and your and your support staff, but both of them are equal. is important because if you lose either set, you're dead in the water. The, the funniest example is that, you know, in in, in Jamaica over the years, you, you're a senior player, or you're captain. Or you 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 at one point I was director of cricket before going to Kent, and players getting on your on your nerves, for whatever reason. And it's like, listen, man, tell you what, just tell a player, just stay home. Don't bother turning up, man. We just park him for three weeks or a month. Done with him. If he sees the light, then we bring him back in. If not, then that's him. He's done. End of story. Easy decision to me. Mate, you have 20 players on staff, and your most expensive player is causing you ten times that kind of trouble. And you, the only option you have is to try and manage it. He's your most expensive player. He's your match winner. There's no option of telling whoever that player is, stay home and, and don't turn up. You know what I mean? So it's it's you, you had to relearn man management 101 for county cricket because it was different from man management 101 for first-class cricket in the Caribbean. How how did you um enjoy working with Zach Crawley? Well, Zach... When when so I left in 2016. By which time Zach was now two years I think into the academy. Um, so I he did a lot of his work in those days under the the second eleven and the academy coach Simon Willis. Um, I, I did I, I would have done a few one to one sessions because I, I did do some work with the academy on a on a Friday evening. Um, Simon would ask us to come in and stuff like that. What I will say is. He's an interesting one because at 17, if you had said Test cricket by 21, I'd have said, fuck, oh, a lot has to change between now and then. Not men- and, and, and here, here's, here's, the, here's the punchline not mentally. I'm just talking about what I'm seeing technically. Yeah. yeah? But anyway, fast forward four years and he's, he's open batting for England. I, I sit back and I think to myself again, because I've had to remind myself of this over the years. Never, especially when they prove that they have something here, as in the resilience, the desire, the discipline, all of that kind of thing, never try and put a limit because you just i'll tell you something woody, you just never know with with with, 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 with young players zach for me is is i guess the epitome of, of a young man who has his head in the right place and and that can can open a lot of doors, would you? A-, a hell of a lot of doors, you know, versus maybe a, a player at a similar stage who would be technically far more in-, in-, in people's opinions could be far stronger technically. But if you're weak as peace between here, then
1: it ain't gonna happen. So yeah, I, I draw that analogy. And that also you did you want to do five years there? You've got long enough to really kind of mold people, haven't you? And you can see I guess if you know people I suppose in the, the sort of modern way, you know, people dropping into a franchise for a few months and then going away or whatever. But if you're with, you know, if you're spending years and years with a county setup, you can, yeah. you know, you're in a position to see the difference that you're making and that people that you've, you know, obviously people have to ultimately do it for themselves, but that that, that you can look down after like four or five years, you sit on the balcony and go, look, this person can do that now. And they couldn't, I can do anything when I arrived. Do you know what I mean? Is that is that very satisfying? it, it is, but I'll add a little bit to it and, and maybe clarify that statement a little bit more. By the time I
0: left we had a proper um support group which which had specialist coaches and and a, a lot of the time a lot of, what's the best way to put it Woody you might have to help me here because you're still in the system. Um a lot of times it's okay so Woody will play for England and Trevor and, and BLS is the, the head coach for England. But Woody might have the, the, the day-to-day relationship. Might be, who was it? Otis Gibson or 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 Spoons or whoever was a bowling coach. So while Bayless is head coach, it, 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 they're actually not some bolts of the the the, the, the relationship is actually Woody and the and the bowling coach. If if that makes sense, you know, I was watching players grow through their relationship to these coaches, and it was it was great to see and and. You know, I, I'm not taking away that, that I have a management role in that, but I just want to make it very clear that you know, so people don't go around saying that you know, J- Jimmy would have been the one who coached Zach Crowley. No, 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 <laughs> Zach Crowley had a million hours with a million buckets with Simon Willis, who was academy and second team coach, and and Bell Drummond and Billings, and all of them would have had a million hours with Waxy, Treadwell, million hours with 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 um. Uh, Min Patel so just I just want to put it in context so that we you know it's it's abundantly
1: clear but yeah but also it drips down doesn't it you you set the atmosphere you're you're Ed Harris in the Truman show do you know what I mean and it's um. kind of like <laughs> do you know what I mean that's where it's it's got to come from somewhere and as you say creating the atmosphere in which that can happen
2: it's a bit of a bit of a pyramid sort of thing isn't it where you know you have Don't you give the ownership to the coaches who work with the players it filters back to you, um, feedback and things like that. And then you all make a decision together. That's the way that it worked for England. So I'm assuming that was exactly the same at Kent and, and Durham and things like that.
1: Correct. Pretty similar. Yeah. And Jimmy, are you the sort of person that finds yourself stopping and reflecting on your, on your playing career? I mean, do you, do you ever get lost in sort of reverie about the great days? Mm, not from a strictly playing perspective. I do a lot of reflecting on,
0: on, on that period in my life trying to find stuff relative to what I'm doing now. How do you compare
2: the game now to, to what, when you played? Is there anything you think is totally different or anything that you, you, know, you don't like about today or you
0: particularly like? Is there, what is it about you know, today's game? I, th- I, think, I think like most, most sport at the highest level, I think cricket is a more physical game now. Um, I I won't I won't I won't embarrass myself and and take off my top here. But if you look at my frame, <laughs> you think you know what I mean? It's like me. I use a bat that was two point five, just to put it in perspective. And and Lara used, Azaruddin used to use a bat lighter than that and hit sixes further than anything you're seeing. No, so it's because of I think because of T20. To be fair, but I'm I'm I still believe that without T20, just elite sport, if you look at your rugby players now, I mean, they're, they're monsters, man. You know what I mean? They're, they're no sort of like nippy little wingers in 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 in, a, in football, the same thing. Football, the same thing. Everybody has thighs like tree trunks, irrespective of which position you play. So I think it's a more physical game. I think um, T20 cricket has had a knock-on effect on both 50-over cricket and test cricket. So where, when I was leaving the game your reverse sweep was one day cricket. No, you, reverse sweep is in four day cricket and and accepted. I had no issues if, if Billings wanted to play a reverse sweep in a four day game because I knew how many hours he had put into it and it was a safe shot for him. The game does adapt, like uh, even things like
2: DRS. People would have played different if you, if you couldn't. Have, so everything would be different. So I know it's Correct. you can't really compare eras and it's a bit different. I just wondered if it like obviously twenty twenty. I mean, you being a no, three wickets quicker. Not only did you bowl, you kept wicket as well. Yeah. So you'd have been an IPL absolute legend, wouldn't you? But you'd have been every team knocking the door
0: down. I, I, I might have had to prove myself, but I would have given it a good At the money that paying, I would have damn well tried. Put it out with it. But the game, the game. Listen, the game, the game. Certain fundamentals haven't changed, but but you see the game getting quicker. The guys who are playing it are stronger. They're using bigger bats. Um, bowlers are more skillful. They have to be to survive in T20 and one-day cricket. But that skill carries over into red ball cricket eventually. So the quality of red ball cricket, I think, is for that person. You know, not killing anybody from my era before. But you see the game moving in the same way that you see football now is a little bit quicker than it was 20 years ago or 30 years ago. I don't think cricket is any different. Do you think in uh, the IPL? Do you think you'd have been getting through four overs and in innings as a bowler? I could see myself doing it. I could see myself doing it. You don't need to be a big spinner of the ball in in T Twenty cricket. Miles had been had been keeping, took his pads off, then he have ball, <laughs> put his weight
2: keeping pads back on. There you go. There you go. There you go. How how did that come about? I know you are a good
0: fielder, but how did that come about? The weight keeping thing. No, I kept cricket, I kept cricket as a junior as well. Ah right. So, yeah yeah yeah. So by the time by the time I left junior cricket, I. I mean I was always getting selected as a batsman, but you know, but you know, growing up, mate, growing up it was just wanting to be involved in the game. So if you if you could field anywhere, are included, where would you want to field? Um, I had two positions that I quite enjoyed, I, I quite en- that, that I kind of made my own over the years. So I quite enjoyed the gully, and I quite enjoyed um feeling under the bat. Gully because I didn't have anybody near me, and, and, and you could express yourself. The ball gets cut, it's, it's flying, so you either take a catch coming screaming at you, or you get a chance to fly left or right, and I enjoyed that. And then under the bat, I, I used to be just in my own little world. I, I, I trained hard for it, and, you know, it's, it's all about. It wasn't really the catch that you took. For me, the satisfaction was, did I anticipate right? And sometimes sometimes you anticipate and you just don't have enough time to take the catch, but I'd still mark it i still mark it as one for me because I would guess right and mate, sooner or later I will to have you, you
1: know, it'll stick <laughs> the next time. <laughs> but also without without a bowling attack, you'd be kept pretty busy there, wouldn't you, under the lid? It's not it's not somewhere you could sit and relax. All right. Sometimes, sometimes. They were the, they were a the hard game, but I
0: mean, the, the, a lot of wickets that you played on were pretty flat wickets. So, and, and the, the word, i, I tell you it's not, oh well, I can laugh, no. I wasn't laughing at the time. You know, there's something about when something is done the same way for years and years and years. So Viv and then Richie and all of them just used to believe in having this man under the bat, even on the flattest pitch. Yeah, You, have a, you know, got a bat pad. And yeah, all that would happen is that Marco and them would be peppering clips past your ear, past your ear, under your legs, and you just felt like a sitting duck. And, you know, every every minute you sort of look at the captain and sort of like, well, you know, skip. About time we, you know, square leg, backwards square, I don't know, middle and middle kick. <laughs> and it just, that team would be 200 for one by T and they still have a battlefield. You're still there and, and all you're doing is just feeling the heat of these missiles getting tipped and pulled. Back. <laughs> <It's just> ridiculous, <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> have you, Mark, have you ever gone under the helmet? Never, ever. I'm never that brave. Never that brave. Fine legs, just about right for me, I think, grazing. I kind not believe that he's even talking positively about it. He's the only man I've ever known talk positively about being in there. <laughs> Crazy. You must have a screw loose to get in there.
0: I tell you, I've done I've done fine leg a few times, and on the ground, I didn't have an issue. But I'll I tell you this, I had a little bit of a fear Because it's not, uh, uh, the angles weren't what I was used to. Uh, And I promise you, I mean, if it it went up and you had time, you say, okay, fine. But I always kept thinking, you know, if somebody hooked it really well, how much time would I have to sort of pick a thing and set that? I, I didn't like it. Jimmy, you know,
2: you can come on again. Your right fine leg is a hard position. Um, it's one of the <laughs> hardest thing <to> cricket.
0: <laughs> you can
2: have come you, on have again. You, have, you,
0: have, you, have you ever done it? No, you're too young. We well, they used to have a place in, in Australia, um, MCG, and they used to have done one end was B thirteen, where the the Hooligans and the yeah, and them used to watch cricket only. <laughs> there. let me tell you something. I have seen I have seen b thirteen kill bowlers, right? <laughs> come up Go up to the captain and say, Skip, um, can I do fine leg at the other end, please? Because it's that happened. They would make up songs about, you know, and throw stuff in oh, it was terrible, man. Terrible.
2: We have the same thing, but we uh we don't call it Peter. a we call it Jimmy Anderson. So if he's in a grumpy spell, you're like, Skip, fine leg, I'm I'm fine down there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, um, Jimmy, are you aware of um the cultural phenomenon that is uh, Mark Wood's super over? No, what's that? Oh, this is uh, well. This is uh, some rapid, fi- basically, it's rapid fire questions that when um, Young Wood has uh, has written down. Uh, we put a clock on it. Yeah. So that's in there. He's just warming himself up there. A few stretches, a little bit of quad work.
0: Is this where you're proper embarrassed me and make me look like a right fool in front of whoever is watching? Thing? <laughs> no, no. This is you'll be good, Jimmy. Would if you ever set me up here, mate? I promise you, I'll I'll, I'll I'll take out that contract on you up in Durham, mate. I know you're not you. easy. <laughs> <laughs> no, you'll be good I'll look after you don't worry you'll be fine right, uh, right
2: ready Miles
1: yeah so the rules are uh, don't don't think just speak um, and you have um, 90 seconds or thereabouts I've never wondered why we time it because he always asks all the questions but anyway we, do, we insist on it um, so um, Jimmy Adams is playing Mark Wood Superover your time starts now Jimmy Adams turning pitch or green top turning pitch favourite TV dog
0: uh, Scooby-Doo Oh, great shout Last photo you took uh, Me just standing up outside here um, Sending some information to my landlord That termites were taking over some of his furniture so. <laughs> 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 Man, you're taking up my 90 seconds, Woody Keep going, man What you doing? <laughs> <laughs> What's your favourite cricket ground? Cricket ground, Sabina Park, Kingston If a duck flew at you, would you duck or fight back? No, I'd
2: swat it. I'd play a
0: pool shot. Go on,
2: next. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Steam room or sauna, which was your Uh,
0: favourite? Sauna.
2: Who was your favourite player as a kid? Uh, Viv Richards. Heaviest thing you've ever dropped on your foot? Uh, uh, A pot of water. What's the worst thing you've been bitten by?
0: Uh, Wasps. Name three PSL teams. Uh, Chennai. Oh, PSL. Oh, no. Pass. Don't even know one. <laughs> and finally, Miles is stealing apples from your garden. What do you shout at him? Now, I'm not going to shout at him. I'm going to probably shoot him. He's
1: <laughs> uh, uh, in the wrong garden. You don't get shouted at in my garden. Well, I wouldn't go there. Not with my fear of termites.
2: Oh, <laughs> <I think, yeah. laughs> <laughs> was the greatest answer of all time. Honestly, that—that that is, me that is so the
1: most—that is the most detailed answer. The about, the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Still no PSL teams. No one ever gets them. Someone said doesn't want. Someone said there's one with. I think someone got the name of a city. I can't remember. Maybe it's Danny Wyatt Someone. Uh, no,
0: I, I, I know, I know too. will take up too much time. Kalandas is one and thing, but Multan, mm. whoever and. Admit. Don't even start <laughs> then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow, Jimmy, that was brilliant. Brilliant. Appreciate it, mate. You've very well. You've done well there, Jimmy. It's an absolute pleasure and a privilege uh, to speak to you. Um, you've got quite the finest Zoom background. Uh, I finally worked it out when your hands disappeared that it was a background. Uh, the finest Zoom background of any guest. Any guest from. Uh, from the world of cricket or indeed show business that's uh, that's uh, come on there um, very nice indeed to to see you and meet you in this way and uh, thanks so much indeed for coming on Middle Please Umpire
0: yeah thanks thanks for the invitation and um, it's been 50 minutes of pure fun from my end and good luck with your with the programme ongoing and Woody hope to see you back in the park sooner rather than later
2: yes so. Jimmy legend legend thanks pal oh that's the best I talking
0: about.
2: When he started off, I was just outside here, my my house. I was thinking, oh, this will just be like, I took a picture like in front of the house. But then he went on with the termites. I was like that's tremendous.
1: <laughs> that's tremendous. a beautiful b- bit of detail, isn't it? They, um, because somebody, I, when we when I was in India, I went on a we went to like this place, Kana National Park, and um, we were like going around these jeeps looking for animals, and there was a lady in the car in front that was obsessed with termites. And it kept causing sort of traffic around this thing, and she, she would get out and take pictures from all angles of these termite hills that were like four or five.
2: <laughs> was it was, was it, it like, like uh, Jurassic Park, you know, and they get <laughs> it, they stop the vehicles.
1: <laughs> well, <Welcome laughs> to termite mountain. Uh, it was. A, it, she she just kept stopping the jeeps. So there'd be a line of us. You should get out. She take an after about an hour of continually stopping. She turned to our turn and said, "I just can't get enough of these termites." And I told <laughs> my friend Ollie, and he went, "Yeah, we know." And goes,
2: I could have honestly, I could have spoken to Jimmy all night there. I wanted to ask him about the West Indies islands. I wanted to ask him, honestly, I could have spoken to him all night. He was brilliant.
1: Well, he's a classic example of one of those people that, to me, I just you know I was talking to him about just the way he wouldn't you know he just just seemed to bat and bat and bat. And he quite quietly, I suppose because of his defensive style, he almost by stealth got to the very top of the rankings. But he was just a classic example of the sort of person, as a teenager I just watched again and again and again and again I can remember in the sort of common room at school we'd be watching like the 95 series or whatever it might have been just I saw so much of him on the television. I actually got out my autograph books that I keep in my study slash laundry room and um, and I was trying to see, I was, I was hoping desperately that I, I would have had his from that Tall, but no, sadly, got Lara, Junior Murray, some of that gang, but oh. not Kenny Benjamin. But no, I not. bet was... you getting Lara on that would have been rubbish then. Oh, <laughs> well, no, it's perfectly, yeah. It's, I think, it's... I think the thing I think
2: about Jimmy Adams is he's iconic, isn't he? Like, when you yeah. think of that team and his name on that team sheet, I think it's as soon as you think, I think of the Western, he's grown up, he is definitely one of the names that is in there. Um, I've had a but, few but conversations with him. he
1: exploded onto the scene as well—his oh, his, yeah. his stats were sort of Bradman-esque, weren't they? I've, I've actually sported him like there around Kent and
2: Durham and stuff. I've actually sported him before, and you know he's got time for anybody. And I feel like a lot of people actually from the West Indies are, are very much like that. So I think they're very, you know, down-to-earth people. And
1: but also that that absolute love of the game, and I love the idea of him saying, "Well, on Friday, no, he's the Kent coach well, on Friday nights. He'd go and coach the academy." I love... Not the idea of turning up a coaching on a Friday night, and that's that's who you're getting you're getting like to listen to um, to Jimmy Adams, absolutely fantastic. What, what do you think he would tell you, Miles? I think he would tell me. I think he would. I think he would probably introduce me to the scorers and suggest <laughs> that they were people that I could think about helping. <laughs> um, maybe not let me loose on the spreadsheets, but perhaps I could you know check they've got the right coloured pens and then get, perhaps go and get them for them. He would say to me, "I think he'd send you." I'm Jimmy Adams,
2: now go to the batting coach because I'm just the head coach <laughs> and I still has to do the system.
1: <laughs> I'm just about the, I'm just creating the atmosphere. Yeah, I, I think he would he would spot everything that was wrong with me. But, you know, he'd just say, you're just a terrified man in your 40s. That's, that's what you are. You really like the barbecue afterwards and you like talking about the game and you can you spend every minute on the pitch desperate for it to be over.
2: Mate, he must, he must have had a slight screw loose to to like being a short leg.
1: Well, I like what he was saying about that. It was about, did I anticipate it? I, that's that's what I get my marks for. Yeah, I, I've never thought of it like that. I've either thought you catch it or you're really scared of it. That's it. Who was saying, was guy who was saying that Essex, they used to pay sort of danger money. You'd get extra money for going under the lid. But that's, you know, he seemed to relish it. And yet there he had, he had this enormous respect for people that feel that fine leg, Mark.
2: I know. I mean, he could come on again just for that comment. Never mind the termite comment the fact that he says fine leg is a hard feeling position, I'm I'm all over him for that. When I think of Jimmy, didn't Jimmy, wasn't Jimmy not one of the guys, even late in the 90s, he still didn't have a grill on. He had the open sort of helmet even. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure I'd watch it in England to our way at the West Indies and he was one of the ones that wouldn't still have a grill on.
1: Yeah, and that...
2: Just had like the sort of earpieces and the helmet but no grill.
1: And quite a sort of, a few of them did but quite a nice sort of low stance as well. But he was also that, he was, you know, he was talking about so it's not surprising the sort of players he loved watching was the the, the the really silky ones, you know. Like oil out of a can, man. That was brilliant. <laughs> it's as smooth as oil out of a can. Have you ever been in a sort of work situation where the person in charge is the most stressed? Because that is that is the worst situation I think to be in sometimes as an employee. Whereas you think the opposite of that is someone like Jimmy that you think he just He's just he's just sort of is very sort of calm and kind of measured about stuff totally agree and you could you know and he'd go with you but I'm sure you've you've never had any bad coaches or dealt with anyone in the sort of England hierarchy who has any sort of weaknesses when it comes to their management style so I guess you had a bad week I feel like we're close to tears there <laughs> no <laughs>
2: Is there something you want to get off your chest?
1: Come on. No, for various reasons, I'm just in a reflective mood, Mark. Um, let's fire up the wood burner and sound off about a few people. No, I'm, I'm in. Uh, I'm in very reasonable spirits.
2: Miles, you know what I was really disappointed about, actually, when you when we were talking about the pyramid system. Um, yeah. I couldn't believe you didn't make reference to. Um. To Sam Mendes To Sam Mendes Well I Yeah I thought that was the pyramid scheme You were going to go down
1: Uh, Well it was you You brought up the pyramid scheme And I thought that's you Learning there Directly from From the mighty Mendes I still I still sort of reel From the fact that we had that chat With Mendes Just because of that That sort of brain Uh, And
2: And I'm still reeling From the fact that you're going to be The next James Bond
1: Yeah I think we have to be careful How many people we tell I can't remember The problem is you know, you sign these non-disclosure agreements and you sign them and send them off. You think, I haven't read that. I don't, that could be anything. Perhaps I'm not even allowed to tell people.
2: Well, from, it's it's very different for me because I can see you. So every, every time we do one of these, now you're starting to turn up in a tux every time. Um, and I think that's probably more.
1: Of it. Would you, Miles, put the gun down. Oh, take the silencer off. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much indeed uh, for listening. I have been Miles. And I've been Mark. We'll catch you again soon. Take care. Should be taken, and is taken. Brilliant from Mark Wood. What a spell this has been. For all the latest cricket betting markets, in-play odds and promotions, visit williamhill.com or download the free app. 18 Plus, please gamble responsibly. William Hill it's who you play with sports social podcast network okay round 2 name something
0: that's not boring
1: a laundry <gasps> ooh a book club
2: computer solitaire huh <sighs> ah sorry we were looking for chumba casino